standard issue for all women. Hi, Hannah here. Welcome to Sunday Chops. This episode is part of our four-part series celebrating Black History Month. In it, I speak to award-winning black feminist writer Claire Hewkin about her new book for children, What is Race?, that she has co-authored with Nikesh Shukla. We talk about the tricky issue of why we don't always answer our children's questions when they ask questions about race, particularly in public, as well as whether or not anybody ever really believes they are racist and what views our children might be picking up from social media and the internet. When you finish listening to this, if you'd like to listen to our other Black History Month podcasts, hop over, they're on our channel. Mickey spoke to Imriel Morgan, who needs no introduction if you're a regular listener, but maybe if you're not, she is the host of the Wannabe podcast, as well as many other brilliant things. Or there's the episode in which Jen spoke to Yomi Adagoke and Elizabeth Uvbiene about their brilliant book, Slay in Your Lane. Or if you've listened to all of those, We've got more good news for you because we have another Chops today in which Mickey learns to wrestle. You heard me. What more could you possibly want for your Sunday? New podcast is out as ever on Wednesday where we'll be reporting from the People's Vote March as well as speaking to Rosa about some money that they have to dish out to charities and Sarah Morgan about her podcast The Fear. Until then, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Hello, Mickey again, in your ears. If you'd like to see me in your face, then you can head along to one of our gigs. We've got three left before the end of the year, and they are all at the Leicester Square Theatre. We've got some corking lineups. we never disappoint you. October the 28th, you can join us with June Sarpong, Stacey Solomon and Lisa Riley. On November the 20th, controversially, allowing some blokes to do the talking, they're doing that for International Men's Day, and the men doing those chattings are Richard Herring, Colin Jackson and David Morrissey. And on December the 16th, we are finishing the year with a bang with Felicity Ward, Laura Bates and Lolly Adafopi. They're great fun, we'd love to see you there, and you can find out more info about tickets and get your tickets from sarahmillican.co.uk forward slash standard hyphen issue, or by visiting the Leicester Square Theatre website. Hi, I'm joined on the phone by Claire Hewkin, award-winning black feminist writer and co-author of a new book, What is Race? It has a slightly longer title than that, doesn't it, Claire? Yes, it does. It's a bit of a mouthful. What is race? Who are racists? Why does skin colour matter? And other big questions. It's part of a series of books, isn't it? Yeah, it kind of breaks down complicated philosophical issues for younger readers, for children. Tell me how you got involved. Nikesh asked me to co-author the book and I, of course, said yes, because this is is exactly the kind of thing I want to be writing. To be clear, it's aimed at children. Yes, our readers aged 9, 10 plus, thereabouts. It's for kids, definitely. Although I hope some adults will find some useful information there. When you look at that cartoon of Serena Williams doing the rounds you think that some adults probably need things explained to them in a very simplistic fashion. Yeah it's pretty horrific that racism is still such a part of mainstream media conversations about everything from sport to beauty to politics to art it's everywhere. One of the questions posed in your book who are racists in the same way that nobody ever admits to being a bad driver or bad in bed People often believe wholeheartedly they are not racist when, in fact, they very clearly are. Yeah, I think 
people who do hold racist beliefs and views manage to convince themselves that they're not racist because racism is just such a normalized part of society. It's everywhere. And because of that, they won't feel acutely conscious that their beliefs stand out as racist. They'll just see it as normal or common sense or something awful like that. One of the things about children is when they ask difficult questions, which is children's want, they're quite often told to shut up about it because not the right time, not the right place, or perhaps just their parents don't know what the correct answer is. Yeah, and I think in that situation, if an adult silences a child, it's more convenient for them in the short term, the adult rather than the child, but it leaves the child with a lot of questions. And also maybe the sense that they've brought up something shameful or taboo that they're not really supposed to talk about. And the questions children are left with, if they're unanswered, then the ways those children engage with race as they grow up are never going to develop. They're never going to become something potentially better or transformative. They'll just be stuck in the same cycle of not knowing or not wanting to know that their parents were. Because if they've been taught to associate the subject of race with shame or silence, then it's not something they're going to feel comfortable bringing up or talking about or even thinking about just on their own. And so there can't really be any progress beyond that. It reminds me a little of the situation whenever I've interviewed anybody that has a visible disability and a child has asked a question about that, they've quite often been told, don't be rude, when in fact the person themselves has said, I would far rather have an open discussion with a child about why I'm in a wheelchair or why I look this way than I would make that child think that they're not allowed to talk about it. Yeah, it's that whole thing of being taught that difference is something shameful rather than something it's perfectly legitimate to acknowledge. And in fact, refusing to acknowledge difference can be quite hurtful to the people who are different because it implies that what makes you different is negative or something that's too bad to even be talked about. I had a a valuable lesson when a child, apropos of nothing, asked me if you got people of colour in Russia, to which I genuinely didn't really know the answer. And so I said, well, I'm going to guess that you do. And I Googled it and actually learned quite a lot myself about the Afro-Russian community that I didn't know before that child asked that question. That's not an entirely uncommon belief, because I think especially with black people, even though the African diaspora stretches around the world, there's this idea that either black people live in Africa or the United States of America, or maybe in a bit of London. And in reality, there are black people living in rural communities across the UK and every country, every continent. It would be really quite strange and unnatural, I think, if that weren't the case. And also, I think part of the issue is that if we don't acknowledge the the populations of colour around the world, then part of the reason that people people of colour have ended up with such far-flung diasporas is as a result of the transatlantic slave trade and colonialism. At one point, the sun never set on the British Empire. It was so vast. And obviously that's going to have a huge legacy, including migration patterns. 
What's your hope? Who do you think will be buying this book for their kids? I think the people who are going to buy this book are the parents of inquisitive children who maybe they don't know how to answer all the questions their children have, but are looking for a kind of learning resource on the subject of race. I think that both white children and children of colour will get something valuable from this. We specifically created a section that would teach children of colour how to deal with racism, how to report racism, how to use the mechanisms that already exist to try and protect you in institutions. So I think there's something for everybody in there. I mean, obviously, it's good to get children while they're young talking about this. Yeah, their minds are more open at that point, I think, whereas adults tend to have quite set views. We need to be talking about this in the home, in the classroom, in the university, because in every institution, in every organisation, unless you consciously weed out racism, it is going to find a way to flourish there because racism is just the social norm. So unless we actively challenge it and address it and explore it together, then there will still be racism in that environment. And in terms of where kids pick up racism, there are overt acts of racism like violence, police brutality, but there are also the things we call microaggressions, which are just little subtle bits of racism. But even if they're not necessarily aggressive or immediately obvious, like touching a black woman's hair without her permission, that is quite an infamous microaggression because it relies on treating her as though she is not a person with personal boundaries or his consent needs to be sought out. And it's basically reducing a black woman to curiosity, an object of curiosity. And like people who perhaps wouldn't see themselves as racist might argue that this is just a bit of harmless fun or curiosity or even a compliment. But actually, it's something that's quite dehumanising, especially if it happens to you on a regular basis. And so I think the way adults respond to these things, telling children that they're not, in fact, racist, manages to cover up quite a lot of things that are racist and let kids internalise them. One of my worries is quite often our children are, I say our children, I don't actually have children. Me neither. Children are quite often on the internet looking and seeing views, for example, on, say, YouTube, before they've really kind of applied their own critical thinking skills, before they've developed in them. So they tend to take things that that people say as fact rather than opinion. So I do sometimes worry that, 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 that children do pick up views from outside of, you know, sort of their family community. Absolutely. And I think I think it's quite significant that with the development of social media and all this new technology that's part of this digital golden age, that so many Silicon Valley executives don't actually let their kids go on the Internet or own smart devices because the consequences are so far reaching, but also really unknown. I read a a study recently that said children who spent more than two or three hours a day on the internet were far more likely to experience suicidal thoughts. So I think there is definitely something really negative there, and that can manifest in 
So much of the content that has um, recently allowed white supremacy and fascist values to be mainstreamed and normalised, the way people like, I hesitate to use their names, like Milo Yiannopoulos or Katie Hopkins have been given platforms to spout really intensely racist views within mainstream publications, within mainstream organisations, that just normalises really dehumanising views about people of colour. And speaking out about it does often come with its own horror show. Can we talk about your experiences of speaking out against racism? Uh, What would you like to know? Uh, Well, when you wrote the article in The Guardian about Scottish nationalism and racism, you received quite a ferocious backlash, didn't you? Yes, I would say that was one of the most stressful periods of my life. It was intense. There was a police investigation because there were threats to come to my university because I was studying at the time or people trying to work out where I lived and also some really horrific racial slurs being directed towards me. So that wasn't, that was not, as they say, good times. (laughs) And... I think it was a deeply traumatic experience, but also I think the way racism is directed towards black people, specifically black women in the public sphere, it's used as a silencing tactic to try and push us back out, to silence our voices, to make the cost of speaking out so high that we won't do it. Knowing that is why I've decided to keep going, but it doesn't always make it easier we spoke to gina miller a few weeks ago about some of her experiences and the fact that that you both fall at that sort of intersection of misogyny and racism just seems to make it just a thousand times worse and it's truly horrifying some of the things that people feel at liberty to say just because they don't agree with your opinion I admire your confidence to get up and do it again, to be honest. Thank you. It did take a while. The book comes out on the 11th of October. Yes, that is just less than a month away, my God. In time for Black History Month as well. Was Was that deliberate or is that coincidental? I think that's coincidental because we did originally have an earlier date, but Nikesh and I had a lot of commitments and he became a father for the second time, so went on paternity leave, so we pushed it back a little bit. So it wasn't intentional, but not a bad thing. Well, we would recommend that everybody get a copy of it. Talking to children about race is clearly an important issue. Thank you. Standard Issue for all women.